Hey, good to see you. Welcome to Bills by the Numbers, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, has Isaiah McKenzie nailed down the slot receiver role in Buffalo's offense, or does Jamison Crowder have enough time to make a case? We discuss. If McKenzie is the guy, what kind of production should we expect from him in year one? We dive into the numbers. And we talk to Bills receivers coach Chad Hall to see what he thinks is realistic for the slot in an offense with so many weapons. Let's hit it! Always great to have you with us here on Bills by the Numbers. Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, Bills Insider Chris Brown with you. And it's a role in Buffalo's offense that has finished in the top 15 in receiving yards each of the last three years, including one finish at the top of the league. It's Buffalo's slot receiver role, which has finished 14th, 1st, and 7th the last three years in receiving yards for that position. But for the first time in three years, that role is going to be filled by a player not named Cole Beasley. Who do we believe lands the job? Well, there's three primary candidates, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Jamison Crowder, and Khalil Shakir, uh, the rookie draft pick. That uh, Right now, it's Isaiah's, Isaiah McKenzie's job to lose as it stands now, but it's very early in camp. We're a week, just over a week into it. It's going to be a you know six-week process or a five-week process to get to that game game one. And there's also the thought that while you may have a slot receiver that's number one, a number one slot receiver, three wides might not be your number one personnel grouping. We still don't know that yet. So it may be a diminished role philosophically, despite who's playing there. But right now, I don't think there's any question. It's up for grabs, but Isaiah McKenzie's in the driver's seat. He takes the lion's share of the reps, and he flashes as much as anybody. Well, I say that. Having said that, I don't know if he does or not because Khalil Shakir has impressed as well. He has. I will tend to agree with you, though. Isaiah McKenzie, to my, in, for my money, has been the most consistent performer through the first week and a half of training camp. Day in, day out, he has produced in the offense – I think Jamison Crowder, now that he's finally healthy and working his way back into the daily practice setting, will have something to say about it. And Khalil Shakir has impressed. But I think the time together between Josh Allen and Isaiah McKenzie, it's been too long. It's too lengthy. It's five years these guys have played together on this team. Right. Which some people may not realize. I think that carries too much value into this equation. I think Isaiah McKenzie has to completely fall on his face to not land the job. Now, to your point about personnel groupings and how big a role this is, I kind of go the other way. I think 11 personnel will still be the number one personnel grouping for this offense for two reasons. Number one, because of Dawson Knox and his productivity coming off a nine-touchdown season last year. That's number one. Mm -hmm. And number two... I, I think they value McKenzie maybe even more than he was valued in the past now that Beasley is gone. But because of your personnel grouping question, I ask, does the possibility exist for the slot receiver position to be a shared role? 
Um, yeah, I think that's always a possibility given the, the history, the track record of this coaching staff, you know, shared running back spots, the roll through of the defensive linemen. They don't have a problem keeping guys fresh and, and using their skill sets to the fullest, getting them on the field and off the field and, and trading guys out. We've also tinkered with the idea, you and I, uh, with maybe if Jamison Crowder emerges or even now, Khalil Shakir, it's like, well, throw them both out there and go four wide. Yeah, double slots. Yeah, now here's the, the problem with that is protection. Yeah. Um, you throw four wides out there and all of a sudden – James Cook, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Duke Johnson, whoever's in there running back, they're in, they end up being a pass protector. And then you take one of them out and put Reggie Gilliam in there for pass protection, right? So yeah. then you, know, you start to become, all right, they're going to throw it here. Um, you can't run. They, you struggle to run out of it, maybe. Uh, or you struggle to protect Josh Allen, the quarterback. And, you, and even though you have four guys on the field at wide out, two slots and two wide guys, you can't go deep because you don't have time. So that's a problem. If you can solve the pass protection questions or feel good about the pass protection questions going four wide, yeah, I'm all about it. Which means, yeah, you'll have two slot receivers and you can share that. But as for having two guys, well, we, we saw it last year. Isaiah McKenzie flashed in the opportunities he got, but they were limited. Cole Beasley was the guy. So, yeah, it could be shared, the slot receiver, but I, I would think – depending on what they find out about their whole personnel grouping and the offensive line, which is in a disheveled at best at this point of training camp, we'll see. You think it could be shared based on how much 10 personnel could be used by this offense this season. I think it could be shared for a completely different reason. This is the first time in Isaiah McKenzie's career he is going to have a workload of appreciable size in an offense. Lots right. of reps, lots of plays. We should not dismiss the fact he the fact that he is diminutive in stature. And the wear and tear on guys like that in a 17 game season, I think we can safely agree can kind of wear those yeah, guys down me, sooner than bigger, yeah. stronger guys like a Gabe Davis for example. They can all get hurt. That's Don't true. get me wrong, right. but the more diminutive guys sometimes fall victim yeah, that would, to injuries more than the bigger guys. And that might necessitate a need to have a guy like Jamison Crowder. And maybe sports science dictates, hey, let's mix and match the load here oh, yeah. over a course of several weeks. You know, okay, McKenzie's killing this guy. Let him play 65 plays this week. Maybe next week he only plays 40 and Jamison Crowder's on the field for 30. You know, that kind of similar to the way yeah, they rotate that, the defensive line. Yeah. I don't think that's out of the question. No, it's not. And that's a good point. I, you know, an injury, of course, you're going to share it because you, the guy can't play. You're going to have to replace him. No question about it. But it's, it's intriguing about that. And I, I will say this I, um, Isaiah McKenzie's role as a re, number one return guy is going to be vastly, really affected by the number of snaps he takes it may offensively. Have, it may have to go away. It may have to go completely away. I've said it for a long time. It was a struggle for me when I when I was asked to do that. To do play, both, you mean. Play special teams and play receiver in a, in a large role. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't give special teams the attention that it deserved and needed um, to be effective. Mm -hmm. And certainly I was, you know, you're, you get two and a half quarters into the game and you're done. You're gassed if playing both. So. Yeah. McKenzie will be the same way, even though you're talking about, well, he just returning kicks. It, it takes a lot of attention, 
and a lot of concentration, a lot of practice, a lot of thought, and a lot of effort to be the number one return guy on a football team. And it takes that much and more to be a, a big receiver. You just don't have enough to give. I just hearken back to the 2020 season when by the end of the year, Diggs and Beasley were spent. Yeah. And little injuries started to crop up. Stefan had the abdominal injury. Uh, Cole had a, fracture in, had a fractured bone in his leg. Right. And it compromised their effectiveness in the 2020 playoffs. Right. Suddenly the point production went down because their top two guys were nicked up. They purposely paced Stephon Diggs through the year last year. I mean, Josh Allen revealed that in a post-game press conference when I asked him about it. I think they tried to do the same with Beasley. Do they take it another step this year and say, hey, McKenzie's the first guy in the slot beginning of the game. Crowder, you're still going to get 35, 40 snaps a week, though, because we're going right. to divvy this up, whether it's personnel groupings, whether it's you're in, you're out. I, I would not be surprised if we see that, especially knowing the regular season is a game yeah. longer now. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. Taking a look at the history of the Bills slot receiver role, it has been filled predominantly by one player, though. That, of course, being Cole Beasley. Since the 2018 season, when Brian Dable arrived as offensive coordinator, the production out of the slot increased each of the first three seasons, from 2018 to 2020. It took a bit of a dip last year, following a breakout year in 2020, but over the last two seasons, the slot receiver position has averaged the following stat line, Steve. 125 receptions, 1,361 yards, 9.5 touchdowns, 68 first downs, 471 yards after the catch. Actually, I think my reception total is off. It's 125 targets. That's the average. 1,361 yards, 9.5 touchdowns, 68 first downs, 475 yards after the catch. Those figures are not just those of Beasley over the past two years. It's of all the Bills receivers who lined up in the slot. The vast majority of those do belong to Beasley, who averaged 73 receptions, 781 yards, two touchdowns, 40 first downs, 290 yards after the catch. That's so I was right with 125 yeah. receptions. Yeah, that's 10 There's yards a reception. Right. And those figures over the last two seasons, out of the Bills slot receiver position, second only to Cooper Cup the NFL's reigning offensive player of the year over the last two seasons. Is it reasonable to expect the same production out of that position, knowing both the primary player and the offensive coordinator are changing this season? Yeah, it's, a re it's reasonable to expect it, but there's also reason to believe it could fluctuate, and not just fluctuate, but fluctuate wildly, because we don't know how Ken Dorsey's going to do. We don't know whether... Um, the new weapons or the different weapons they have. Uh, certainly a player like like Duke Johnson or James Cook could suck some receptions away from the slot receiver if they if they start to use the running back more as a receiver. Right. There's no question that's on their mind with the with the offseason where McKittrick um, McKissick. McKissick the guy they got from Washington decided yeah. he's a pass-catching running back. They drafted James Cook as that. They got Duke Johnson, who's a so there. It is their thought to add that into as a weapon into their offense. Which, you know, if you're going to give the running back spot more chances, it's going to come away from somebody else, and it would be, you know, it's not going to be Steph Diggs. You would think it's probably going to be the slot receiver because it's more like-minded as a slot receiver, the same kind of concept inside. So it's. Reasonable to, ex to expect, yes, the slot receiver is going to be a very productive slot, a s spot in the roster. But, man, oh, man, there's some huge question marks, as you mentioned. I, I tend to think the production won't be the same there 
The reason being, I think Gabe Davis's ascent to the number two receiver role will have a detrimental impact on the number of targets in the slot, even though Josh told us on our show he is trying to work the middle of the field more and work outside the numbers less to diversify the offense more. I think that Gabe Davis might be catching a lot of those balls in between the numbers, though. Yeah. So I think that he'll siphon away some targets from the slot. And to your point, I think James Cook or whoever the pass-catching back is in passing situations as a check-down option will siphon some catches away. Because if you think about it, Steve, Cole Beasley was the bailout option for Josh every single down that he had to go to a check down. He's looking for Beasley. Now he can look for maybe Gabe Davis. Yes, he can look for McKenzie or Crowder inside, but he's got James Cook as a safety valve. I think all of that is going to disperse more of the targets away from the slot receiver. So to expect as much production from that role, I think might be hard, might be a difficult ask in what way, more specifically, could offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey most greatly impact the production at slot receiver? Well, I mean, he's the guy calling the plays. Yeah. I mean, that, he's drawing it Where up. do we see it surface the most in terms of probably tar- the slot? targets? It's yeah. all about targets. Gabe Davis. Um, and and I th- I'll say this, too. One of the things that's un- completely unpredictable is the availability of the guys and the skill sets of the guys who are available. Gabe Davis has always seems as though he's never missed games. I he probably has somewhere along the line. I can't yeah. remember. He had a bad ankle coming into the season last year, but right. didn't really suffer any ill effects from it by the time he got right. to week one. Um, that will be an effect on it. If and Josh himself, Josh will have an effect on it. But Ken Dorsey's the guy calling the numbers, and this offensive coaching staff and and defensive but offensive coaching staff not only with personnel groupings and guys they play is a lot about who has the hot hand we see it with running backs we see it with steph diggs we saw with isaiah mckenzie in the in the reps he got last year 16 game against new england he was he had the hot hand uh you got some guys who have shown the ability to be that guy at any given moment isaiah mckenzie being one of them gabe davis being one of them and oh yes of course Steph Diggs, the wide receiver right. one, is obviously one of those guys. We don't know about uh, – and Dawson Knox could be an enormous mm-hmm. red zone threat, as he always has been, plus he's going to get better this year. And James Cook and the running backs. We haven't even mentioned O.J. Howard in the O.J. Howard is a, is a big unknown. So there is a lot of things we don't know about, and Ken Dorsey, I think, will explore all those options either in the preseason as we get close, but I think in the – I think that's what's going to do it. When when they get to the regular season, Ken Dorsey's going to have a good idea of what guys can win consistently, and those are the guys that are going to get the ball. I think Dorsey can have an impact, obviously based on what he calls, the personnel groupings he chooses to use in a given week. I think Josh Allen, though, might have a bigger impact on this because he's the guy ultimately pulling the trigger. I think if there's one thing we can say about Josh – is he will do whatever it takes to win, which to me means he's not going to force feed a ball to somebody who is not open just for the sake of getting it to him to get him going, so to speak, in a given Sunday. Now, as you pointed out, if there is somebody with a hot hand who is ridiculously effective against a given defense in a given week, he will keep throwing the ball to that guy. I mean, he did it with Isaiah McKenzie, 12 targets, 11 receptions, 125 receiving yards, and a touchdown. We saw him do it time and again with Cole Beasley. We've right. seen Steph Diggs have big games. Uh, 
so yeah, I agree with you completely. Josh is the guy pulling the trigger, uh, but through conversations during the rate, rate uh, during the work week, during the practice week leading up to games, Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen will talk about different plays and different opportunities and and the reasons he'll call one play and who he's trying to get the ball to really uh that kind of stuff they'll have conversations like that a lot so when josh allen hears a play he'll know what ken dorsey's thinking about who needs the football and what matchup they're looking for steve it is time for the numbers game and it's only fitting that it is slot receiver related so the challenge here is to name six of the top 10 slot receivers in receiving yardage from 2021. I realize that, you know, hard and fast identification of a slot receiver for another team might be a little more difficult than it has been here in Buffalo. But I I promise you, these are all familiar receiver names to you, and you need, like, good receiving yardage totals here. So take your best stab at six of the top ten slot receivers in receiving yardage. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, number one on the list. 1,321 of his 1,800-plus receiving yards out of the slot last year. Number one, far and away number one. All right, let's say Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, not on this list. Hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing to him. That's the problem. Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson, not on this list for this year. He was number one in 2020. Let's say... DJ Moore. DJ Moore is a good guess. He did not make the top 10. He was in the top 15 last year, so it's not a bad guess. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, number nine on the list. Correct. 554 of his receiving yards last year out of the slot for the Chargers. Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin on the list. Number six. 616 of his receiving yards last year out of the slot. He is primarily a slot receiver. Doing good. Let's say, well, okay. So, so some of these guys play outside and inside, and it just that is depends true. on when they're. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is on the list. Number five, 629 of his receiving yards out of the slot Who've last I got? year. You have Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Keenan Allen. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is on the list. Number eight, 611 of his receiving yards in the slot last year for Green Bay. You need one more to satisfy the six out of ten. Okay, how about this? Travis Kelsey. We're not counting tight ends, so I won't dock you for a wrong answer there. We're not counting right. tight ends. That's. No, I wasn't aware of that when we started the game. That's all okay. I can. Okay. That's why I'm not, I'm not um, penalizing you. C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb not on the list, just outside the top 10. He was T. 12th. Higgins. T. Higgins not on this list. Jamar Chase. Not Jamar Chase. All right. No, There's another guy there, though, that you might want to guess. Oh, hold on. Uh, how about... Uh, it's not T. Higgins or Jamar Chase? Like, no, it's the guy that helped the Bills get to the playoffs with a touchdown. Oh. In oh, 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Tyler Boyd. There you go. Tyler Boyd, second on the list. 766 him. receiving yards out of the slot last season. He is their primary slot guy, so you satisfied the 6 out of 10. You don't want to go for the sweep, do you? Uh, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's on the list, 7th. You got three left. What the hell? Go for it, man. Nicole Hardman. Not Nicole Hardman. 
This I'll guy, say. this guy emerged as a um, big time slot receiver yeah, last year at a breakout the, year. The kid, the guy from Oakland, the kid from Oakland. Uh, what was his? Or name? Las Vegas? Yeah, Vegas. Um, uh, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. He had know. a receiver name Renfro. There you go, Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Renfro. Six hundred forty. So I got eight he was now. Fourth on the list. You have two left. <clears throat> and I'll give you the divisions. Okay. One is in the AFC East. Not on the Bills. Oh yeah, Waddle. Nope. He didn't make the top ten. Really? Yeah, he was fifteenth. Uh, and the other one is in the NFC West. All right, uh, Tyler Lockett. Not Tyler Lockett. This guy signed with another team in free agency this offseason. Got some big money. Really? Early in free agency. Went to the AFC. But was previously in the NFC West. And the other guy was the lone producer in the passing game for this AFC East club last year. Jacoby Myers. Very good, Steve. Jacoby Myers, number 10 on the list, 537 yards out of the NFC slot. West. And now in the AFC South. A.J. Green. It is not A.J. Green. Oh, I thought I had it. It was Christian Kirk. No, I wouldn't got that. Good job, though. Nine out of ten, Steve. Well done. See, you know more slot receivers than you thought. Well, you know. That was good. All right, right now, new customers can get their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just sign up today by going to sportsbook.fanduel.com or by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the Buffalo Bills. For direct insight on who figures into the slot receiver role for Buffalo's offense in 2022, we turn to the guy who is coaching all of the receivers, Bills receivers coach Chad Hall. All right, Coach, so want to start here because a lot of people kind of look at the receiver group as a whole and they know that some of these guys have spent a good portion of their careers lined up in the slot. So it would seem like you're, you're almost heavy at that position. You're, you're blessed to have that many slot candidates, so to speak, but I know you're a guy that likes to teach them all the spots. How do you look at it when you see – a group of guys that have seen a lot of work in the slot, do you say, I don't care, I'm spreading you guys all over the formation anyway, or do you look at that and say, well, that is a strength of their game? I mean, most certainly. You want to play to their strengths, you know. Everyone in this league is so good. Right. So your strengths got to be your strengths. So, but, you know, little man Isaiah McKenzie, he's, he's got that, that speed factor in the slot mm-hmm. where he can run overs, he can do but he's really, really developed into a full receiver in the slot. And then you got right. Jameson, which is, you know, the more feel. He's been doing it for a long time. So how they've communicated and helped and helped each other, you know, Isaiah being in this offense, helping him with the offense. Right. And then Jameson helping him just with looks and reading the defense has been great. You know, um but yeah, we are blessed in the slot, but just what we're doing on offense, we're trying to put people in different spots so, you know, they don't know what's coming. Right. And it's, it's been fun. It's been fun as a coach developing these inside guys into outside guys and the outside guys having that feel for the slot. So um, it's been a fun training camp so far. One of the interesting things that people don't really associate with your spot here, you've had Diggs, you've, Gabe Davis was drafted and all that, but every year you've got somebody new who's really expected to contribute a bunch, like Emmanuel Sanders, John Brown all the way back. And then you draft Hodgins, you draft Gabe. Um, You've always been one of the position groups, although you've had Steph Diggs here for a couple of years now. 
uh, and some guys that are set in stone. Now Cole's not here. How is it, you know, to get these guys in here and acclimate them every single year? You've got guys. It's not like these guys are like third string backup that may be on the practice. You're going to have guys that are going to be on the field, expected to contribute, and you get like, what, six months to get them ready. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun. I mean, that's, that's part of the job. I love it. I love creating those relationships with these guys. You know, I think it starts, I start, it starts there. Yeah. You know, building that uh, uh, personal relationship with these guys. And then the coaching, the coaching part just comes, you know. Then right. once we build that trust, whatever I say, I listen to them because these guys, like you said, they're not like rookies. They've right. been doing it around the league. So, you know, I ask them for feedback. Hey, right. what am I doing? You know, so it's kind of back and forth. But this offense isn't easy, you know, mentally. So that's the first step with these new guys coming in, just so because they can play. Well, I've already seen them play. Right. But if they're out there thinking, they're not going to be playing very fast. So that's the hardest part is just installing the offense and getting it to click. So then they're not out there, what am I got? What do I got? It's out there, okay, now they're just playing ball. Right. For the better part of the last three seasons, Coach, we saw Cole kind of lock in in that slot role, getting the lion's share of the work at that position. Now that he is not here, and as we've said, you've got a bevy of talent that can line up in there, proven talent. Is it reasonable to think that it could perhaps be a shared role in the slot as opposed to just one guy doing it every week like we saw with Cole? I mean, if, if you're sharing a role, like you said when we started this thing, you're blessed, you know, because usually this league's so tough, there's only so many good players. Right. But if you got a, if you got two or three that can play in that position and play at this level, I mean, it's a blessing, yeah. you know, like you're saying. So it, could, it, it most certainly could be a shared role. You know, maybe it's depending on the game week, who we're playing, who's the, who's the nickel, who's going to be matched up against them, which guy's got the best matchup on which place. You know, is he a speed guy? Is he a quick, does he have a lot of quickness? So that'll be definitely something that goes into each game plan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Beasley has been a top slot, slot in this league the last three years for us. I mean, he's probably the number one slot in the right. league, you know, all pro one year. So it's not like you just – fill it you know it's that's a tough role to fill with one guy yeah, yes yeah. and he you know on the field his smart he, he was like a coach on the field right and his elite quickness but um you know little man just being with him for the last couple years he learned a lot just watching him and just his feel and them talking so he's taking a huge step this training camp i'm really excited about isaiah him. isaiah mckenzie yeah. yes sir and then uh you know jameson's just getting back out to practice so can't wait to see him really really get involved yeah, one of the things you, one of the words you mentioned is is so important, particularly in a team like this and at this time of year. Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder. You've got Khalil Shakir's trying to fight his way in. James Brooks is trying to fight his way and get some share of the ball. You know, and all James Cook, Devin, James, James Cook, uh, Devin Singletary. The word you said, you know, shared role. You got to share the ball. Uh, how tough is it, and how great is it to have a guy like Diggs, who he'll get. 10 or 11 targets in one game and get four the next game because the team just says you're not going to beat us with Steph Diggs. How is his example and the fact that everybody knows they're going to have to share the opportunities and share the targets, and how does that flow in the, in the wide receiver room? How do you handle it? Yeah, it's tough. That's one of the toughest parts of my job. And Steph has really grown. You know, year one, you know, it was something we would have to communicate every day, even during the game, after the game, what happened. But now it's – he is – so so changed in the sense where he's such a leader of, on this team. Probably 
the leader of the whole team. Mm. He's always talking to the offense, defense, every day at training camp. So last year I even saw him a big step. He wasn't worried about it. We, he just wanted to win, win. Whatever I got, whatever I got to do to win. I know, coach. I know. I, I'm, I was open there, but it doesn't matter. Wherever the ball goes, I'm gonna. We're gonna as long as we're winning. Mm-hmm. So he's taking that really leadership role, almost the captain of this team, and he knows he's got to be selfless. Mm-hmm. You know, when his time comes, he's gonna make his play, and, and we're gonna see his wow plays. But he has become such a leader of this team that he knows he can't. You know be worried about the ball. The ball's going to find him. We're going to get Steph the yeah, ball. Right. Then you got Gabe Davis. He's the he's the most, you know, he, he's just been patiently working, you know, right. these last yeah. two years. He seems as he serious as a heart attack. He probably could have started his <laughs> rookie year, you know. Yeah. Some, you know, smoke went down. He started and had a great you – know, we didn't see a fall off. Last right. year, Emmanuel went down. He started – we didn't see a fall off. So he's just been patiently working, working, and his loyalty, his passion for this game, and – Man, he's a dog, and he just wants to win. So you're right, though. It's hard. Do we hand it off? Do we pass it? Who's getting it? But you know what? Our guys just love each other. We've got it. We got a great bond, and we just we just want to win together. Steve mentioned Shakir, the rookie, and I know you have a more trained eye than I do. So this is why I'm going to ask this question. Plus, you get to look at practice film every day, anyway, and see it a second time. There seems to be a route savvy to his game that goes beyond his experience level. Is, would that be an accurate assessment? Because that's what I'm seeing out. There seems to be a route savvy to his game that you don't always see with rookies. Yes, he's got a great feel. And, you know, he played mostly in the slot. I'm challenging him, challenging him to play outside, see everything he can do. But, yeah, I mean, I saw a route um, last practice. He had a little corner stop and broke it off because he saw the flat guy and just turned in the hole, which Steph does, you know. So it was really good to see. He's, he does. He's got really strong hands. He's really, really, really smart, mm-hmm. which helps him. I mean, he knows all the spots. He can play whatever. I, hey, I need a Y. I need a tight end. It's four wide. He goes in. Right. So he doesn't bat an eye. He's not scared of anything. And he really, like, really worked hard this offseason. I gave him some things to work on. He came back, and I haven't even noticed him. Wow. So he's, he's mature for a rookie. Um, this is his, his priority. This is, all, this is all he wants. And uh, that, that's his focus. And he's taken – a huge step since OTAs, which didn't practice much, but the little I saw, he's been he's been great. Last one for me, a little off topic. You, you're in staff meetings. You hear the you know, and I know every day during training camp, you get a you, everybody comes out and says, "Here's the evaluation of this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy," and you all kind of get to hear it. We were talking this way about these young guys like Khalil Shakir and and James Cook, and the rest of the draft class. It's really been hard for us to pick out any of the draft picks who haven't at some point flashed and who aren't really playing well, both defense, offense, the corner, the sixth rounder, the third rounder, the second, the first. All of these guys seem to be like not just guys that are going to kind of hang around on the practice squad, but guys who are making a play to be on the 53. This far down the draft class roster for this one team, it really seems like, you know, you you feel like it's a coin flip every draft. You're going to get half the guys that can play, half the guys that – Really can't. Or you may have to wait on a little bit. Right, or you might have to wait on it. These guys really, they seem to have hit on an inordinate amount of their draft class this year. Is that accurate, or are we just looking at it and saying, I don't know? No, I I feel the same way. You know, Cook has made some flash plays. Khalil's made some flash plays on off. I mean. Certainly Kyer Elam. Of course, man. He's getting to go against one of the best receivers in the (laughs) league. Iron iron sharpens iron. Um, 
So yeah, it's been. You're exactly right. It's been fun. They're they're out there challenging the vets, and um, you know they know their role. They're like leading by example. Mm-hmm. And you know credit to Brandon being his staff. You know they they had a great draft. They usually always do. And uh, now we just get to develop them, work with them, and make them better. Last one, Coach. Week one. There's a little bit more on the line for uh, the Chad Hall family because, as we know, your sister Kelly's married to Matthew. What is the text exchange going to be like between the halls <laughs> leading up to the game week one? You know, we'll have a lot of fun, I'm sure. A lot of trash talking. Um, but, yeah, the whole family's coming out. Um, so it's going to be a fun game. But, yeah, I mean, we've gotten to play against each other in preseason games early on when he was in Detroit when yep. they came up. But this will be awesome. Can't wait. Um, yeah. Prime time. Prime time. It really is a gift for the family, though, right? Yeah, I mean, it's no awesome. Doubt. It's no great. Right. Right. The whole family will be together. That that couple of days will be great. We yeah. can't wait. Just, just tell Matt we hope he plays brilliantly in a losing effort. <laughs> 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 right. Me too. And just yeah, right. so you know, I, I should have mentioned this before I asked the question. Chad's sister, Kelly, is married to Matthew Stafford. So that is the connection, and it will make for a very interesting Hall Family Week 1, 2022. Chad, Good thanks luck, for Chad. the time as always. All right, man. Good luck molding the rest Chris. of these guys, okay? Yes, sir. We appreciate Thank it. You. That is Chad Hall here joining us on Bills by the Numbers. All right, our final discussion is a segment we like to call Something's Gotta Give. General Manager Brandon Bean said earlier in training camp that the Bills are tight against the cap to the point where once the 53-man roster is established, they'll have to make a roster move to create enough cap space, knowing once the regular roster is established, all 53 players, the players on PUP, injured reserve, practice squad, count towards your salary cap, not just the top 51, as is the case in the offseason. So knowing that is the situation with which Bean and the Bills are faced, what do you believe is the move there? Not who, what. What is the move? They're going to make some moves. They're going to have to. Are you talking trades? Uh, Cuts? No, no, no. Restructures. They won't trade. They could trade some guys, no question. But they've got depth everywhere. They'll be able to trade some of that for some pretty good assets, although it may be draft picks for next year. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see. Certainly there are going to be a lot of pro personnel people hovering around the Bills waiver wire thinking, okay, get that guy. But the move is going to be a restructure. Trades will be fine, but – because you you know you just it's right off the top of your cap, but you got to replace the guy with somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, unless he's I not think making move, your fifty three man yeah, roster. I think the, the move place. is a restructure. Uh, there will be, there may be a surprise release by the Buffalo Bills of a, a veteran near and dear to us. Although, but you know they've got so much depth and so many quality players, a trade might be the way to go because there'll be some interest around the league. But I think whatever those moves are, I think it'll be a restructure and maybe a trade, one of the two. And I'll say this, uh, it's going to happen last week of training camp. It's going to happen right as the 53 is being being. Yeah, I think they will push it to the brink. Yes. I agree with you in terms of timing when that's going to happen. I don't believe that the restructure route is going to be used – in any great fashion, and I guess what I mean by that is if they restructure more than one or two, I would be shocked. Brandon Bean is not a guy that likes kicking the can down the road, even though the cap's going to be going up appreciably in the coming years. 
If I would tend to think he uses that as a last resort option. I think he will be looking to trade some people that he knows will be in demand by other teams, but just don't he just doesn't have room for them on his roster, not only in terms of numbers, but in terms of dollars and cents and cap space. You could see him restructure and have him shorten a guy's contract. And give him right. just, and just guarantee him more money. Not a, not, yeah, but, and, yeah. And say, listen, we're going to give you instead of a four year deal, we're going to chop it up, guarantee a little bit more, and give you a or give you money deal. up front, and let's add voidable years on the back so we can spread the money out. I mean, right. there's a lot of different ways They'll, you can go about right. it. I just know he doesn't want to use that as a crutch. Yeah, they're not going to put themselves behind bars and because you jail. you know what's on the horizon here: Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver. Gabe Davis, Tremaine like, Edmonds. Tremaine, I mean, there are important Ed Oliver. decisions that have to be yeah, you made got a ton with of guys the young up. core of this team. The cap's going to go up significantly next year because of the new TV deal kicking in. So there is that, but you're right. Um, a trade could happen, but yeah. you, know, you don't want to go back to the thing. You've got to find you, a willing partner, sure. somebody that doesn't want to compete with 30 other teams for a player's services. So... You know, if they can flip you a seven or a six, you know, a seventh-round pick, a sixth-round pick for somebody, you might be able to find a willing trade partner. Well, sure. And now you clear your books of that salary. That's right. And I would say probably from sitting from where we're at now, and it could change dramatically, it's it's probably going to be an offensive lineman. The Bills are neck deep in in offensive linemen that have got some chops in this league. Um, All those defensive linemen can't make the roster either. Right. But you get down to about nine or ten deep, which is where the Bills will sit. They're pretty good in the, yeah. in the last five or six. Take them or leave. Yeah, them. exactly. So they'll they may there may be one guy that people you know like, but I think offensive line when you keep eight or nine of them, that there's still one or two, maybe three guys beyond that eight or nine, depending on who it is. That Pete teams will be like, whoa, okay. Go get that because there's offense. There's not enough good offensive linemen for 32 teams in the NFL that to have correct. five right. good starters and then two, even two, real quality backups. There's just not enough guys in the on the planet that are qualified. So they're in they're in high demand, and the Bills have more than their share this year. Either way, as we say, something's got to give. We leave you now with our closing figures of the week in 2021. Minnesota's Justin Jefferson led the league with first down reception percentage out of the slot with 73% of his catches out of the slot moving the sticks. Tyreek Hill was second in the league at 66.6%. Third was Cole Beasley at 65.3% of his receptions out of the slot going for a first down. Isaiah McKenzie did not have enough receptions to qualify for this league stat, but last season, McKenzie matched Hill's first down reception percentage at 66.6%, which would have been tied for second in the league. Jamison Crowder was at 51%, which ranked 11th. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you know when the next episode drops. If you want to watch and listen, you can tune into this podcast on the Bills' YouTube channel. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check bills by the numbers. For Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week, everybody.